Hi, welcome to Titular Adventures, titled by at Sydney Zoinks, where you write the titles that create the short stories. This is episode one. The Trash Can, titled by Coraline Batet. It was overflowing. It had been for almost a month now. For a while, I had been pushing down on the top when I put something new in, but at this point, that just made wet things fall out the sides, which I had to clean up, which made more garbage with no place to go. It was at a point where I was just trying to not create any new garbage, putting empty hot sauce bottles back in the fridge, letting the junk mail pile up on top of the microwave, and eating the peels of bananas to get rid of them, which were disgusting, especially with no more hot sauce to put on them. The obvious answer was just to take it out to the dumpster, but it was winter, and that would mean putting on shoes, and that was a non-starter, not happening. No way, Mr. Jose Hernandez. I hated shoes. I'm not claustrophobic, but my feet are. They freak out if you put shoes on them. They sweat, they shake, they throw up. Yes, they throw up. And if that happens, guess where it has to go? In the trash can. But if you recall, there is currently no room at the trash can inn. Maybe I could just toss it out the window. Only if I don't mind it landing directly on the balcony of Mr. Hernandez, who lives right below me. Nice guy hates having months-old garbage all over his balcony, I would assume. But then it hit me, like a furry gray and black rabbit bite to the face. Raccoons! They love garbage! All I need is a raccoon. Let it eat the garbage, send it on its way, and let its garbage poops be somebody else's problem, which is pretty much my style in general. A goat might work too, but with the size of my apartment, that seemed crazy. Having a raccoon in my kitchen to eat all my garbage so I didn't have to put on shoes making my feet throw up made much more sense. I got online and ordered a raccoon, much easier than you think. And guess what? I'm currently looking at my new raccoon. The only problem is, it's stuffed. I bought a taxidermied raccoon. I guess that's why it was so easy. Getting a live raccoon delivered is almost impossible. Well, not almost. It is impossible. The laws in our country being the way they are, currently. My best bet is going to be getting the current laws changed to allow live raccoons to be delivered to the lobby area of apartment buildings in this country. And I might as well add goats to that law too, just in case. Because by that time, I bet there'll be a lot more garbage. The Life and Times of Burby Merburb, titled by at First Name Bob. Right from the beginning, Burby loved defying expectations. Burby Merburb Samson was born one month and three days after her due date. Her mother, however, went into labor three weeks and five days after her due date. Finally, after eight days of excruciating labor at 2.35 a.m., Burby Merburb Samson was born. Her name was supposed to be Susan, Susan Samson. But after 10 months of being pregnant and eight days of contractions, all her mother could say when it was time to fill out the birth certificate was Burby Merburb. Burby was a rambunctious child. She cut her own hair every chance she got, swallowed almost anything but food, and would make her teachers laugh just as hard as she would then immediately make them cry. When Burby Merburb graduated, just barely, from St. Francis Sacred Heart Trinity All-Girls Catholic School, she was lost. 
She had spent most of her time bucking the rules and challenging teachers, but now that was gone. She could wear what she wanted, go where she wanted, and say whatever she felt, but she didn't know what she wanted to wear or go or feel. Some of her friends got jobs from their parents, like Shannon Regis, who started as a CFO at her father's securities firm. Some traveled, like Rhonda Pulaski, who moved to Ireland, then Scotland, then back to Ireland indefinitely. Some bailed altogether and started drinking, like Missy Durkins, who preferred rum to almost any life experience. But Burby Maburb felt no passion for any of these things, so she started a punk band. It was only considered punk because she couldn't sing very well and only knew a few chords, so it was either punk or poetry, and punk was much more Burby Maburb style. She called her band, Burby Maburb's Superb Disturbed Herbs Presents This Way to Rotten Town. At first it was just Burby Maburb, but eventually she was joined by a bassist, a drummer, a different drummer, a lead guitarist, a new bassist, and then it was just Burby Maburb on guitar and her original bassist, Missy Durkins, who had in the meantime gotten sober. And they got good. Very good. Burby Maburb's Superb Disturbed Herbs Presents This Way to Rotten Town got some radio play, started touring colleges, then opening up for bands you've surely heard of if you listen to new music on the radio. Every night, they drive from town to town, do a show, play some rockin' tunes to a decently adoring fan base, sell some merch, then it was to Applebee's, maybe a drink just for Burby, then falling asleep to either Animal Planet or SpongeBob SquarePants in a Hampton Inn hotel bed. After 18 months of touring, their song, St. Francis of Obscurity, was featured in a Lexus commercial, and they blew up. They were on TV shows, red carpets, award shows, video game soundtracks. They had stylists, managers, a PR team. They had to wear specific clothes, be at certain places at certain times, and they were given very detailed notes on what to say, and especially what not to say. The night they were to appear on the Grammys, she cut her own hair. All of it. Shaved it, in fact, making her stylist laugh from pure shock, then immediately cry because he knew it was the end of his career with Burby Maburb's Superb Disturbed Herbs Presents This Way to Rotten Town. After their performance, an interviewer asked Burby what it was like to see her song all over TV. Burby Maburb replied, quote, Lexus can suck me off, but I'll take their money to help them make fat-ass balding golf guys think they can be king shit of luxury car mountain if that means dick to anyone who gives a shit about anything important. It was not a pre-scripted answer. And soon after that, Burby Maburb's Superb Disturbed Herbs presents This Way to Rotten Town called it quits. And when Burby really thought about it, becoming popular and going mainstream was all she ever wanted, if only so she could defy the expectations of what came with it. Because to her, that was the sweetest part, becoming part of the system, gaining its trust so she could tell it to go to hell. And Missy Durkins was cool with that. As a so far successfully recovering alcoholic, she was very comfortable telling things that didn't work for her to go to hell. Anyway, she would go on to join a very famous band you've definitely heard of on the radio. Solar Sprinkler, titled by at S.B. Casey. Angela knocked on the door. How much longer was he going to be in there today? She didn't want to rush him, but it was starting to get frustrating because it had been months since they'd eaten a meal together and that would be nice is all, she said. He ignored her. He refused to open the door. He had to keep his workshop dark. 
It was the only way to test his invention, and getting up from his table and walking to the lights to turn them off, test his machine, then walk back to turn them on again was a waste of time. He was a busy man. He attached a pen light to his hat and that seemed to work just fine. But if he was being honest with himself, it was starting to make him insane. He had endowed all his tools with personalities. Some were more helpful than others. His screwdriver was his best friend. His soldering iron was an utter asshole. That's why he didn't feel bad when he stole his girlfriend, the hot glue gun. It had started innocently enough. He and Hot Glue Gun would chat about how much solar energy would be needed to power a lawn sprinkler system, or hot glue. Over time, it got more serious. He started hot gluing things that should have been soldered, just so he could be around her more. And it was obvious. She was so in love with him. One night, the soldering iron called him out. They were both drunk, as usual. It got heated, but eventually the soldering iron was shoved into a junk drawer and hasn't seen the light of the dark workshop since except for the occasional flash of a pen light. Now, he and Hot Glue Gun were inseparable. Sure, they had their tiffs, but what couple didn't? And when that happened, he and Screwdriver would spend more time together, which Screwdriver loved, because secretly, Phillips had longed to be more than friends. He wanted everything Hot Glue Gun had. The companionship, the feeling of being gripped at the base and squeezed, the passion, the kissing. That was it. Phillips Head had to murder Hot Glue Gun. Phillips Head got some of his friends to help. Flathead and their screws. Wrench, of course, and wiring agreed to hold her down. He had hated Hot Glue Gun ever since they were in Home Depot together. She was so stuck up. Why did she need a cord that long? It was ridiculous. But the big ask was Table Saw. She liked to keep to herself. She was a hand-me-down and had been through a lot, but she was also the most accustomed to bloodshed. Last year, she cut through a finger, and rumor was, it wasn't an accident. Um, hey, Phillips Screwdriver started. What? Table Saw asked like she didn't already know. But she did, and she was in. Because Screwdriver wasn't the only one in love with the inventor. In fact, every single tool in the workshop had a thing for him. The soldering gun, flathead, screws, wrench, wiring, the pen light. That's why they all wanted in, to prove their love for him. And why not? He was so handsome, rugged, brilliant, good with his hands, and I liked him a whole lot too. Like a lot. What about me? Why can't I have him? Darren! What is going on in there? Angela yelled. Who are you shouting at? Don't come in! The beautiful godlike genius yelled. But it was too late. Light blasted into the room. Oh my god, why are you covered in glue? And the table saw is on. You can't sit there. They love me, I yelled. And they all did, unconditionally and passionately. Only my tools understood me. Only the tools know how I like it. Not Angela. So I picked up my best friend Phillips' head to do what must be done. Kill my wife. Then, then I'll be able to get back to work on this incredible invention that uses solar energy to power a lawn sprinkler system that will make the entire world of tools fall in love with me. Like I deserve. I got a feeling that this bitch about to blow up. I got a feeling that this bitch about to blow up. Bang. Thank you for listening to Titular Adventures. If you've got the title of a short story you'd like to hear made, send it to me on Twitter at Batet. That's at B E T E T T E. Oh, honey, honey pie, honey, honey.